Good afternoon. My name is Nima Ardalan. I'm glad to be bringing you another program from the Swana Region Radio here on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles. And in Santa Barbara, 98.7 FM and 93.7 FM in North San Diego County. We stream live at kpfk.org and please note our time slot. It's 1.30 p.m. on Sundays here at KPFK 90.7 FM. This puts us back in the time slot with Middle East in focus at 1 p.m. and gives you a full hour of commentary and news on the region. If you missed the live broadcasts, the shows are available at KPFK archives and a list of our recent shows and audio files is on there and they'll be posted for 60 days. And we are also on Spotify and we'll be putting most of our programs on Twitter and possibly YouTube. Now, Swana Region Radio is one of those few programs on KPFK that, uh, co that covers a crucial region consistently and regularly. If we are to survive and continue to bring you vital and insightful coverage of the region, we have to show that we have extensive support and a base of listeners. Your don donations are a crucial way to indicate that support. If you have enjoyed and benefited from programming, please consider donating to KPFK's essential work at any time. Online, which is the best way to do it, at kpfk.org, but don't forget, you can always call the station. In donating, you can also mention Swana Region Radio that will help keep this program on air. You can also do this uh, by calling the station at 818-985-KPFK. Uh, or you can go to PayPal online and pay it. As you know, we depend on your donations. Our uh, guest is our own uh, Swana Region collective member, Professor Hamoud Salahi, Associate Dean of International Education and Senior International Officer at uh, CSU Domenico's Hills. And Hamoud, what do we have today? I, want, I, I wanted to say that this is a topic important to me, but I want you to say it to our, for our listeners. What is our topic? What are we covering today? So we're covering one of the most important uh, crises. We're covering Libya because it's- Aha, that's the key word. You yes. know, I, you know I, I tell you, Hamoud, I, I, I have friends that visited Libya in uh, early 2000s. Yes, yeah. And they were, these are American friends. Yes. And uh, they were amazed how safe and how tranquil and how nice the place was. I mean, I'm not denying there were no political issues and Gaddafi didn't have, uh, uh, wasn't oppressive, yeah. But compared to every other, um, I guess, Middle Eastern or Swana region dictatorships that we see run of the mill, he was by far safer. Can I say that? It was it was safe, and uh, despite the embargo, remember uh, Libya was under the American embargo, uh, but the population of Libya was very small, around six seven million, and in fact, in around two thousand, around two thousand five, those years Libya was positioned to be another Dubai. There was a lot of sort of planning of making the country better uh, and all of that. And, uh, and, and you know, Gaddafi uh, was not a good ruler. I mean, he was a dictator. He has his serious uh, problems. 
But Libya was really a very beautiful country, and it's, and, and, and it's too bad it is, uh, perhaps because it's that beautiful that we are seeing today with those crises that was happening now. So, so Hamoud, where do we start? I still, I still want to talk about Iran as well, because that's another bit of... Uh, uh, you know, I expect you to talk about Turkey, uh, about uh, Turkey, the Kurds, all of that. Yeah, you, okay. um, <laughs> let's stick yeah, listen, with, uh, identity is important, Nima. Yeah. Absolutely. But uh, yes. let's, let's stick with uh, Libya for now. Where do we start? Maybe the Red Nines? I oh, understand, yeah. I understand the Algeria issue, the threat that uh, the takeover of Tripoli by uh, Khalifa Haftar forces is a red flag and uh, Algeria wouldn't tolerate it. This is when the Haftar uh, military forces were making huge progress and then all of a sudden it stopped. Yeah. Tell me about that. So, so as you know, just very briefly, Libya is sort of divided into several, uh, several uh, co uh, control area, but the, the two main areas are the eastern part, which is in Benghazi, that is controlled by the forces uh, of Haftar and under the uh, Liberation Army. He led the Liberation Army, and it's also where the House of the Representative is uh, in Tobruk, in an area in the eastern part. Yeah. Then on the western side, it's where uh, Tripoli is, and that area is supposed is under the control or supposedly under the control of the uh, in, uh, uh, the national uh, uh, the government of national accord led by ch Fais. Uh, the government uh, of the national accord is recognized by the united nations uh, they uh, since 2015 there were elections in 2014 as you know out of that elections uh, came uh, was it a parliament uh, and that parliament did not agree with the government of national national accord so they moved to the eastern part of Tobruk and that's where you have these two uh, sort of powers so when Haftar was doing very well was taking control of the country Haftar is supported by uh, until a few months ago by the United States he is, as we talked on this program, uh, has uh, lived uh, in, in Virginia, uh, close to the CIA headquarters for about 20 years. He had his training in the former Soviet Union, his military training in the former Soviet Union, but his allegiance are very clear to the United States. So Haftar was the man who was supposed to take control of entire Libya, and uh, he had the blessing of the Russians, has the blessing of the United States. So when he was uh, mo uh, 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 taking control of the country, the moment he reached to Tripoli, the Algerians said, wait a minute, if you go there, we are going to do something. And basically the Algerians threatened uh, to do whatever we do. We can come back to this uh, later on, uh, Anima. But they threatened because, according to the Algerian, if you take Tripoli, it will be a mess and the, uh, Libya will be fragmented. Well, that, that happened before. Now, just last month, oh, and recently, the, uh, you know, the, the balance of power switched. And now it's the government of national accord led by Faiz Sarraj and supported by Turkey that's what I wanted to say. That's what I wanted exactly. to uh, and they are, as soon as Turkey started 
Yes. It's and the game the game started to change. And now they are winning. And that, and they are about to, just before they get to the, the eastern part of Benghazi and take control of that, the Egyptians said, wait a minute, my red line are Sirta. If you come there, it's war. That's, that, so those are the two red lines. In between, you have you know, uh, several other factions uh, uh, about, uh, the area is really is controlled by uh, uh, at least nine groups. Uh, they are all over Libya, so it's, there is no dominant power. But these are the two players that are emerging as the strongest. Well, I mean, one of the issues power. that I'm interested in and I wanted to talk to you about is the link yeah. with Syria. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, it's proven and it's one of the issues that the world has to deal with or the UN has to deal with at some point is really Turkey's support for ISIS, first of all. Uh, it's proven. I mean, Baghdadi was uh, killed by U.S. Uh, special forces in Turkish-controlled Idlib in northwestern Syria. I mean, this is documented. Everybody knows about this. And uh, there is ties. Russia has complained about it. The Kurds have been complaining about it. Uh, Syria has complained about it, whatever. But uh, now... Turkey is taking, uh, if I can call them jihadis, if you don't mind, uh, from Syria, paying them and using them in its efforts, along with its military, along with its regular forces in Libya. Much like what Iran is doing with uh, Afghans, that uh, they recruit in Iran and in Afghanistan and bringing them to Syria to fight the Syrian opposition. Mm -hmm. So these proxy wars are getting out of hand. So, yeah. so you, you talked about how the red lines were drowned, but, and we talked about the background. Now, who are the players now? We talked about Turkey, I guess Russia is one, France, Britain, yeah. Italy, the U.S., should I go on? <laughs> yeah, and, and the danger, Nima, is that with this last uh, sort of uh, warning by the Egyptians, so with the Egyptians, they have their own problems. So they, they were doing, trying to sort out some deals with, an, with another African country. They could not work it out, so they decided to make sure that the national, uh, that uh, to shift uh, the focus to, to Libya, because uh, Egypt, Egypt has a lot of uh, workers inside Libya. Uh, so a takeover by, by uh, the government national accord will affect them very much. Uh, so there is this huge issue. So Egypt is one, and Egypt is, is very much involved now. And, uh, and it, now, before it was more of a proxy war. What you do is that you support, you, you let uh, people do the fighting for you. But, but now it's directly, uh, we've seen it between Egyptians giving warning and basically to, to everybody. Algeria is doing the same thing. But you also have Turkey uh, with France because France ha uses Libya as, as, a, as a base to control its, uh, its interest in Mali and, Ni and Niger. Of course. And, and France is very much involved in there. And then you have Russia, who is very interested in constructions and, and oil. And those are major uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, source of revenues. And they, they also sense 
that uh, there is a vacuum of power in the region. So they want to intervene, or, or, as well, uh, they want to come to, Li uh, to Libya to protect their national interests, but there is no one who could tell them, you can't come, the United States is so weak. So that's, so those are the three players. You are going to, be says, to say something, Nima? Yeah, what I was going to, what I wanted to say is that actually uh, you, 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 you mentioned it briefly, oil. Now yeah. that Iran is under embargo and the price of oil is reasonable yeah. at this time, you know, it's not as low as it was a few months back, but uh, the oil in Libya is one of the factors, one of the reasons that Libya was attacked yeah. under embargo was the oil actually with uh, with French interests, with Italian interests, or with the European interests for the most yeah. part. And yeah. that's why Gaddafi was overthrown because and, 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 yeah. of the oil. It, it, you know, it's a, it's a big, big, uh, big, big reason. Yeah. And you know, the, the news today or these days is that Britain now wants, because the forces of Haftar have controlled uh, and stopped the flow of oil since January because they allege that the revenues that they were coming from the oil were taken away by uh, the government national accord. So they, 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 their opposition, so they, they, they stopped it and the, the, the Libyan flow of oil has, has stopped, but it goes, you know, the black market and that. Well, Britain is now saying, we need to resolve that problem. And the, the resolution of the African, of the African, I should say, for the, for the Libyan conflict evolves around the distribution of how to use uh, that oil. So Turkey is involved because she wants also to reserve, you know, uh, to have a foot on the, on the Eastern Mediterranean because that's where, where it's interest. Southern Mediterranean, yeah. And then Italy is the same thing, former colonies. And then, you know, you have the Emiratis who are, who are given a lot of money uh, to, uh, to Haftar and to Egypt. And the Qataris are given a lot of money to the Turks. So it's, it's a mess in more ways than one. But the danger is that we are at critical juncture where these countries are now not fighting each other through different groups. They are fighting each other face to face. And the future of Libya depends on this the and i'll let you go ahead nima yeah one one thing i wanted to mention you, you and the gulf countries of yes. course that's they yeah. play a big deal because it's a lot of their money and at yeah. berlin last year these parties agreed to pursue a peaceful resolution on the libyan conflict uh now how far or how close is yeah. that now i mean it's the, the war escalated obviously well, it, 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 it's fascinating. So they had this Berlin, and, and we talked about this before, is that we're really the discussion about how to divide Libya more than anything else. They agreed on one thing, is that we should uh, uh, stop from using any kind of military force. So no more force, no more backing of uh, foreign fighters. Well, that issue today, there are more mercenaries. You mentioned the Turks. Yeah, but the Russians have mercenaries there. Of you, have, you know, Egyptian troops are there. You have all these troops, uh, mercenaries, and then you have, you know, ISIS uh, there, and then you have the militias. 
And they, all these this groups are using, uh, was it uh, foreign fighters or foreign arms, uh, uh, which goes against what Berlin uh, 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 decides. In Berlin, so the idea was stop the infiltration of, of arms. Well, the second resolution, uh, there were about 80 points or something in the, in the Berlin or more than that. Uh, but the, the key one, the other key element, is to resolve the conflict peacefully. It's for to bring all the groups co coming together and try to sort it out. Well, that's where it gets complicated. So just in the last two weeks, you have one track led by the Egyptians pushing through the Arab League to find a solution to uh, the conflict. And through the Arab League, which the government of the National Accord boycotted, said, you know, the, the Arab League doesn't uh, was that, do anything. We're not going to go there. So you have that track going. And then you have another track led by the Algerians, which calls for a national consensus. Algerians are trying to please everybody. They're trying to bring all the forces together. They believe they have the credibility uh, to bring them together because the, uh, except for Haftar, uh, the, the person who is actually controls Haftar, if we were to use to that, is Aqliya Saleh, who is the leader of the House of the Representative, uh, visited Algeria quite often and many times uh, trying to find a solution. Uh, Saraj Fayez, who is the leader of the, uh, uh, the government of national accord, uh, makes visit frequently to Algeria. And here is the third track now that's, that we have to talk about this. This is the United States. And this is the latest uh, development. And I, and I think you were about to say something. You have yeah, a, I want to ask you something. Very excited. It's, yeah, no, go ahead. No, uh, it, the surprise <laughs> here is Turkey and its alliance with Qatar. Now, uh, yeah, an yeah. observation here. Algeria, Hamoud, you talked about Algeria and the, yeah. the role they're playing. Yeah. Claims it's against foreign intervention in Algeria. Uh, in, uh, you have to go there. Yeah. So now it seems they don't really care if Turkey is intervening in Libya. So does that make sense? What I'm asking is... So, so, so let, let, me, let me just sort this out, Nima. Yeah, but Please. Turkey's intervention is okay. So this is the objective Nima asking about an objective question. <laughs> Turkish, right? Okay. Okay, we'll answer. So, no, it's, it's a fascinating question. And, and I know we're trying to make a light of it. No, it's, it's really, it's a hypocrisy because you cannot say on the one hand, stay outside, nobody will intervene, but then you support Turkey. Well, it's obvious Alger what the Algerians want is they are in favor of uh, uh, the sovereignty of Libya. They are also in favor of what the United Nations decided. Well, the United, to them, the National Government Accord, the Government National Accord, uh, was recognized by the United Nations. Well, Libya, and particularly the tribes and, and, the, uh, and the other group, don't, don't recognize the government of the National Accord because they allege that this government was put by the United Nations, and therefore they'd rather go with the other with, with their own government. So having elections, all of that. And here is the Algerian Arsenia, stop, don't intervene. But at the same time, they have this good relationship with Turkey. 
They are happy, excited about the fact that Syage is making uh, all this, uh, all this inroads and uh, uh, taking control of the country. So it's a purely national interest uh, 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 that sort of the, the, the Algerians seems to be uh, uh, sort of choosing uh, uh, in this matter. They are not, they are, they're in, in a sense, uh, not uh, choosing. So, 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 this, so I'm going to ask you, I, I, I got to give you only like a couple of minutes to, for both of these questions. I'll ask them at the same time. And then we have to cover Iran. Why is the good luck for Turks from Algerians, give us a little bit of background on that. We talked about this and you had some interesting points. And then also the shift in US position. Obviously it's leadership, but maybe you can elaborate yeah. on that real quick. So for the Turks, you really, you have a long history with the, uh, between uh, Algeria and Turkey. It goes back to the Ottoman Empire. Ottoman Empires, okay. Uh, around the, you know, when uh, the, the region was all in one and then when it collapsed, Tunisia, Algeria, Morocco was one region. And when it collapsed around the 13th century, the Algerian at the time felt threatened uh, or they had fears that they would be uh, dominated by Western powers, namely Portugal, Spain, uh, and other Europeans. So they invited the Turks to come into Algeria and it's, uh, uh, the Turks provided uh, that umbrella, that, that protection. Turkey is the only place in the Arab world where, where, where it's liked uh, in Algeria where people is actually recognized the, the, the importance, uh, I mean, recognized Turkey as a legitimate uh, 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 country or empire at the time. It's because of the Turkish presence, Algerians, you know, we, we are known as a piracy, uh, we're practicing piracy in the Mediterranean Sea. So the Algerians controlled the Mediterranean and they, and they, they in 1827, they want to fight along the naval Ottoman uh, Empire uh, uh, in Japan, and they were the, the, the Algerian Navy was defeated, or fleet was defeated in, in, in Japan because it wanted to rescue the, the Turks. And because of that defeat, Algeria, three years later, was, control, was uh, colonized by the French. And there is this lot of history there uh, in terms of your question and very briefly by the United States, United States is now wants its own solution. They are, they, they just, uh, the, uh, the envoy, the United Nations envoy to Libya, uh, Algerians uh, presented the nominee to replace that, uh, the, the new envoy. Uh, uh, United States says no. And they are, the Algerians now accusing the United States of working its own solutions. United States changed its position initially from supporting Haftar to supporting the Algerian position, only to find out now that the Algerians were saying, wait a minute, maybe this is not the United States that we thought. So that's really briefly. Maybe we'll come back to this another time, Mima. Yeah. Now, let's, let's talk about Iran. That's another interesting. Now, as yeah. you've heard, uh, uh, we, we have to really, we always say this, but uh, sometimes we get uh, preempted uh, and uh, we don't follow yeah. up. But Iran deserves a, a whole show because of the recent explosions at uh, their major uh, um, nuclear uh, facility, Natanz. And according to some uh, reports, uh, now there have been about seven mysterious or attacks or uh, you could call them explosions. Uh, according to uh, Iranian officials, the uh, explosions in the Natanz uh, nuclear um, facility were a cyber attack. Now, 
<laughs> cyber attacks, as far as I know, <laughs> being in IT, are a little bit yes. more difficult to uh, to create an explosion that throws pieces of a reactor or centrifuge 300 yards or 300 meters away. So whether this was uh, an explosion that was internal or uh, infiltration, or I doubted if it was some kind of a strike, but there has been attacks on a uh, couple of uh, uh, major uh, Iranian um, missile sites, apparently one of them very close to the capital uh, in Karaj, which is just west of Tehran. Uh, of course, Natanz is uh, we talked about and mm -hmm. um, this this is kind of worrying Iran is in, is on uh, mm -hmm. in dire states I mean the, the, the economy in Iran is uh, is more or less collapsed uh, yeah so but where is this going nobody knows and they're pointing fingers at Israel at the US and mm -hmm. cyber attacks etc so things have, have escalated I know, and, and you know, the, really the challenge uh, is that on the one hand, there is a fear of Iran as a nuclear power, as a destabilization, uh, a destabilization power. And on the, at the same time, there is a fear in the United States and in the Western world is that keeping Iran together is serves their own interest much better than if it's collapsing. So these attacks are coming really to uh, 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 sporadically, you because of a fear that if it's if it was done uh, on a massive scale, that the Iranians would retaliate, and that's really the big fear. And they will retaliate through Hezbollah. Hezbollah is very keen now on you know. If Israel continues to do what they're doing, we're going to attack inside Israel. And now they have the capabilities to do that. They're also going to attack inside Yemen and even inside Saudi Arabia because of their connection that they have. To exactly. Yeah. The Houthis in Yemen, the Hezbollah yeah. in Lebanon. And don't obviously, forget. Obviously, don't forget Iraq. Iraq and Bahrain. Bahrain today is ruled. I forgot about that. Saudis. And you know, it's Bahrain is the vast majority of the, of the population of Bahrain are Shiites. And they are, uh, if you remember, uh, the, the establishment of the Gulf Cooperation Council was as a result of an attempted coup allegedly led by the Iranians, 81 of them, to topple the, the monarchy in Bahrain. And at that point, the, the GCC in 1981 said, the countries of the Gulf countries said, you know, it's time for us to come together and form one uh, uh, defense system. And, you know, eventually they would bring the Americans and, and, and the Europeans uh, to protect their nationals. We're never safe about that. So Iran is a very tricky. So, on the, 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 and, you know, the last point in this is that you have a crisis in Libya which is now coming to really to a resolution or escalation. You have a crisis in Yemen that is also, you know, with the coronavirus, all of that, that is also taking a lot of problems, giving a lot of problems to the Saudis and the Emiratis who are, who are sort of withdrawing from that, that conflict. And then you have the Syrian conflict that is happening, and never mind Iraq. 
And all of these are uh, countries that where Iran is playing a major role in it, and they have a way of resolving this. And who is winning in all of this? Russia. So, and so the United States, by coming in and attacking Iran, they also are thinking about uh, finding a way of how to, balance, uh, to give them, themselves to present the region. But they lost it, so they resort into this tactic to please the Saudis, to please others, when in, yeah, when in fact their best interest is to keep Iran uh, united. <clears throat> no, absolutely no. It, it, when you mention Russia and their role, um, it, it, they're, they're the ones who are really making headway progress, edging United States and the Europeans out of a lot of areas. Yeah. Uh, in in my opinion, uh, this this is only uh, because of U.S.'s lack of a coherent policy. Uh, I'm not saying that this is related to what Trump is or Trumpism or whatever you want to call it. No, it's it's more or less the way uh, things have developed. Uh, mostly in economic terms, in, and uh, we seem to look at short-term solutions and not long-term. Oh, yeah. Thanks very much for uh, being with us today, and thanks to our listeners, and uh, we hope to talk to you soon. Thank you, Nima. Thanks.